Sam here. Just a quick note before we start that if you're listening on Spotify, the app has decided to block out any music in their podcast. So if there's large long gaps, that's why if you listen to other podcast providers, there will be none of those gaps. And obviously, if you're listening on Spotify, I wouldn't tell you to get off Spotify, but get off Spotify. Okay, on with the show. A very sad day in Popdom this week, 20 years ago. David Snedden is quitting pop music. Why you get yourself together from this very sad news. Here's the theme song. The 2000 Chart Show. The 2000 Chart Show. Everything that you wanted to do was show your mum that you could play the piano ten years have passed. And the one thing that will last is that same old song that we played along and made my mama cry? I miss those days and I miss those ways when I got lost in fantasies in a cartoon land of mysteries in a place you won't go old. Yes, indeed. This is the 2000s Chart Show, the podcast where every week we are celebrating the UK Top 40 Singles Chart from 20 years ago. I am Samuel Spencer, journalist, pop music lover. And this week we are here with 12 new entries, including big songs from Kim Marsh, Mark Owen, Holly Valance and Atomic Kitten, plus a new flop boy band. And we know we love those. So keep on listening to the show for all of those songs. We will find out whether any of them can stop Be Faithful by Fat Man Scoop getting another week at number one. One song that certainly won't be challenging Batman Scoop to that number one was the song you just heard our number 40 from this week that was Delta Goodrum's Innocent Eyes they've blinked their last so to say in their sixth week down from 33 and at 39 in the seventh week here is Nickelback with Someday Number 38, get ready for tears again because it is David Snedden's last song on the top 40, Baby Get Higher. To figure out how to make it better If you don't hide away inside You'll find your way to open So free your mind and you will fly In at 38, which may explain why it's his last song on the top 40. That song is called Baby Get Higher, and that's probably what he said to that song. He was like, Baby Get Higher in the charts. See what we did there. Now, long term listeners will know that we are big fans of David Snedden on this podcast after his weirdly erotic performance of his last song on Top of the Pops. Although not big enough fans that I can remember what that song was called. It was called Best of Order, he says, definitely not having looked it up. We are big fans, but somebody this week, 20 years ago, was not a big fan on the Smash Hits Letters page. They sent in a poem to everyone's second favourite Fame Academy winner, and it read, Please don't sing when you're minging. We discussed the etymology of the word minging last week, by the way. Put a paper bag over your head. You'll never be rich or blinging, because you're even uglier than David Sned. Please don't sing when you're minging. You're too ugly to be a star. Your phone will never be ringing. But if you worked in McDonald's, you'd go far. 
as I've said. I don't think that David Sennett is ugly, but Sarah from the Midlands there certainly did. And it may have been that kind of abuse that led to David Snedden deciding that he would no longer want to be a pop star. This was reported in Top of the Pops magazine. In an outburst that's rocked the music world, last year's Fame Academy winner David Snedden has decided he doesn't want to be a pop star after all. I know what I want to do with my life and being a pop star isn't it, he told a Scottish paper. Oh, Scottish, you say, adding, hello, there's so... How would you even do a Scottish accent? Sherbet lemon, no. There's so much crap. That's not it. Anyway, there's so much crap in the charts that I have to compete with. The majority of it's rubbish. Snedder's people told us. David's happiest songwriting and now he can do just that. And in October 2003, he signed a publishing deal with Universal Music Group, allowing him to focus on his songwriting. And he has since written songs for people such as Hertz, Matt Cardle, Shane Fillon from Westlife and Newton Faulkner. And of course, weirdly, Lana Del Rey's song, National Anthem. As for his song, Baby Get Higher, even though it's only got to number 30 here it's had a weird second life in europe it seems that european male singers just love to do covers of baby get higher the first was by the artist van velzen a Dutch singer who took the song to number 17 on the Dutch Top 40. The Netherlands, for some reason, has two Top 40s, a one called Dutch Top 40 and one called Single Top 40. He got to 17 in the Dutch and 26 on the single. And then after that, another singer, for some reason, decided to cover Baby Get Higher. That was a Azerbaijani singer, Emin Agalarov. I know that Azerbaijan technically not in Europe, but of course, on this podcast, we play by Eurovision rules. Apparently that song received Radio 2 airplay and was performed at the 2012 Eurovision Song Contest in Baku. And if those two versions weren't bad enough, apparently on season one of The Voice of Holland, we got to hear a reggae version. So if you've ever wanted to hear reggae David Snedden, listen now. And if, like the rest of us, you can't think of anything worse, then maybe skip ahead about 15 seconds. Yeah, and indeed, man. 37 now, down from 23 in its third week. King of slurring, as in not saying slurs, but just slurring his words. Chingy with right there. And in tribute to Chingy, here at number 36 is Brrrr by Dougal. In case you don't speak Chingy, that was Bottle Living by Dave Gahan here. A new entry at number 36, the second of three new entries in the top 30. He's living for the bottle. Without a sail, he's not listening when you speak. 
Dave Gahan, of course, as we've just discussed before, the lead singer of Depeche Mode and noted alcoholic and drug addict. He said of this song to the music choice, Bottle Living is my alter ego, the guy that's inside me that's only one drink away from sitting right there on that bar stool talking bullshit all night with some complete stranger, just feeling really weak, acting like I'm all that, the dark side of you, living for something that's really meaningless, trying to find something at the bottom of the bottle, some answers to life, or sticking a needle in your arm, or whatever it is you do. There's a bit of a running theme on these Dave Gahan songs that we've talked about so far. His first song, Dirty Sticky Floors, was about overdosing and finding yourself on Dirty Sticky Floors. That got to number 18 in June. In August, he releases I Need You. It won't surprise you to learn that the thing that he needs was drugs and alcohol. And now he is bottle living in November 2003 with his last UK Top 40 as a solo artist, although Depeche Mode continued to have a very long and prosperous career. He said of his drinking at the time, if God had a drug and alcohol allowance for each person, I had used up my fair share, much to my regret, to be quite honest. I feel the same way about Diet Coke. I'm like, if we've each been allotted a certain amount of Diet Coke that we're supposed to drink, I've probably drunk too much. When they say the average person drinks X amount of Diet Coke a year, I'm definitely, you know, boosting up that average. So yeah, expect me to release my single Can Living very soon. In a nice celeb connection, the person apparently that stopped Dave Gahan from drinking was Stephen Tyler from Aerosmith. He of the massive lips and 200 scarves at any one time. Stephen accosted me in a bar one night somewhere like Chicago, said Gahan. He wasn't drinking and I was. I was tying one on, I don't know what that means, and this guy was sort of annoyingly talking to me. Apparently it was Stephen Tyler fucking with my drinking. Anyway, that was a long time ago and I'm blessed to be here, he told The Hollywood Reporter. An alcoholic for a long time, Dave Gahan. He said he'd always been an alcoholic right from an early age and... Once he stopped drinking, he found that he'd lost some of the spark from his work in Depeche Mode. He said on the last Depeche Mode tour, he was like an open wound, a bag of nerves trying to fake it till he made it. He told a particularly graphic story of smashing six or seven bottles of wine against a wall just out of the pure fury that he wasn't allowed to drink any of it. And so this, I think, really explains why he decided to do a solo album, despite Depeche Mode seemingly all being friends. And they've definitely since all toured together. Basically, he just had a lot of feelings that he needed to work through which is all very well and good. I would say there is maybe something a little bit self-indulgent about making us all listen to your therapy sessions. And not only that, but paying 2003 singles prices for your therapy sessions. That's like $2.99 a pop. And that may be why his solo work was nowhere near as successful as his work with Depeche Mode. This album, Paper Monsters, went to number 36. And then his second solo album, Hourglass, went to 50 in 2007, whereas Depeche Mode's albums around this time got to number nine in 2001, number six in 2005, and then number two in 2009. So good thing that you were able to get it off your chest, mate, but do we necessarily need to listen to it? I'm not sure. Talking about things that I wonder whether it's strictly necessary that we listen to them, but it is our duty here to relive 2003, so we must. A new entry, 35, Sentimental by Kim Marsh. Right, the third solo single from Kim Marsh previously of Hearsay. Brian Dowling, the at the time Smash Hits reviewer, gave it three and a half. Brian Dowling Heads, poor person who had to cut that Dowling head in half, said, This is like Natalie and Brulia mixed with Avril Lavigne. It's rock, but it's nice rock. I'd buy this. It's the kind of song you can listen to anywhere. Where Smash Hits says, The little lady sure has a big voice, although this isn't as good as Cry. They're obviously trying to be nice there, but that's one of the rudest reviews I've ever heard because Cry is a bad song. This song 
has been described as her make or break single. And the fact that 35 very much leans towards break and this led to her being dropped from her record label. It's the age-old story of 2003. First single goes to number two. Second single, number 10. Third single, number 35, and you're done. And then from then, really, Kim Marsh focuses on being an actor. She did briefly try and have a resurrection of her pop career in 2006 when she, she tried to be the UK's entry for Eurovision. But unfortunately, she came fourth in that contest, which, of course, was won by Teenage Life by Daz Sampson. And honestly... If you're getting beaten in music competitions by Daz Sampson, you really do need to hang up the microphone. And to Kim Marsh's credit, she has. And in fact, you have to respect her. We have made fun of her somewhat on this podcast, but pretty much the week after she dropped from her record label, she started doing auditions to try and make money for her and her son. That led to her starring in a touring performance of Saturday Night Fever in 2004, which I definitely watched at the Bristol Hippodrome. Then she was in Hollyoaks in 2005 and then Coronation Street in 2006, the role that I think she's most famous for. According to reports at the time, her being dropped from her label came as Universal announced 40 redundancies. So clearly they were in some trouble, probably because of the... The rise of illegal downloading kind of causing a bit of trouble for the music industry and so if they couldn't even keep their own staff then Kim Marsh wasn't likely to be held on to. A source told music papers at the time Universe is desperate to save money and this week there were 40 redundancies this is no time for sentimentality which is a little dig in there at Kim Marsh seeing as her last song here is of course called Sentimental so way to stick the knife in anonymous source there. Interestingly, in 2003, after she was dropped from her record labels, Kim Marsh started giving interviews saying, I wouldn't mind doing a soap. I'm a huge Corey fan. So if there are any jobs going, someone please let me know. Shame there were never any jobs going and she never did that really. No, of course, she did end up appearing on Coronation Street for a long time, which is good. It's a nice happy ending, which we don't often get with these careers in this podcast, that someone ended up getting to do exactly the thing that they wanted to do. So good for Kim Marsh. And now she's on Wartlow Road, which is another show that exists. And that's all I'll say about that, because we need to come out of the 30s. So here is a rundown of everything from 34 to 30. It's been a bad day. Please don't take a picture. You just heard there in lovely mega mix form, Bad Day by R.E.M., down from 21 in its third week. I Can't Let You Go by Ian Van Dahl, that's in its second week, down from 20. 32, former number one, 14th week on the chart. Very impressive for Blue Cantrell featuring Sean Paul with Breathe. 31, quickly dropping out of the chart. Definitely an underrated song. Mixed Up World, Sophia Ellis Bexter. And at 30, doing amazingly well in its ninth week on the chart, down from 24, Baby Boy by Big Brothers. So there you are. There are your 30s from this time 20 years ago. Let's look ahead, though, at what is coming up further up the chart. Last week, Be Faithful by Fat Man Scoop sold 62,500 records. So quite a high bar, but definitely one that a big artist could cross if they had the right song. And there are three big hitters trying to do exactly that. One person making their big comeback here with a absolute great song. The first of our big new entries, State of Mind by Holly Valance. Too much to touch, it's getting too much You know it's just a state 
She formerly had a number one song with Kiss Kiss, so she can make it to number one. And this song is maybe the best song she ever released. A nice piece of sparky electro pop state of mind, giving her a kind of harder edged image. But will the public respond to that? It will remain to be seen. She also has to face off against Pink. Her last song, Feel Good Time, an absolute classic, in my opinion, got to number three. And she also has now another song of equal greatness, Trouble. The kind of pink that I miss, the like rockier pink as opposed to the Heart FM balladeer that we get now who spends more time flinging herself across stadiums than singing on rock songs. But we can get into Pink's career later. This song is Trouble. She had had two number ones at this point as part of the Lady Marmalade quartet. She got to number one and then Just Like a Pill, a big power ballad getting to number one. We know that the British public likes pink power ballads. She's pretty much made a career on them, unfortunately. But will they be equally receptive to her rockier stuff? Well, we will find out. But she also has three ladies to fight with. Liz, Natasha, Jenny, If You Come To Me by Atomic Kitten. I think we think of Atomic Kitten now as kind of the runners-up, the bronze medal of 2000s girl bands. Sugar Babes and Girls Aloud battling it out for that top spot and then Atomic Kitten a kind of a distant third. But we can't forget that they were a big chart presence with three number ones by this point. Hole Again, Eternal Flame, The Tide Is High, all number one singles. Will, if you come to me, be able to match them? Well, we will find out very soon whether any of those songs have what it takes to be Fat Man Scoop. But of course, they are all women and he's a man, so... If the British public's anywhere near as sexist as they usually are around this time, we may be up for a disappointment. But we definitely will not be disappointed by number 29, a great song in its fifth week, down from 23. It's Friday Twilight in the Big Town with S Club 8 and Sundown. At 29, we have Sun, and at 28, we have Rain, specifically Rain On Me by Ashanti, down from 19 in its second week. At 27, for some reason, we have one of the biggest songs of the 90s, which is a bit weird, seeing as it's 2003, but always great to hear this. I, on Friday, went to the Alexandra Palace Fireworks. I'd been very rude about firework DJs and how they always play the same songs. Firework by Katy Perry, Don't Stop Me Now by Queen, etc. And then this Alexandra Palace DJ, like he, it's almost like he'd heard me, was like, fuck you, I'm going to do a firework display entirely set to 90s dance bangers. And one of those was this song, a re-entry at number 27, Born Slippy Nucks by Underworld. Smile at you, boy. 
The original version of Born Slippy released in May 1995 and only got to number 52. But then after the remix version featured on the soundtrack to the iconic 90s film Trainspotting, the song got to number two in July 1996. The beginning of a 15-week run in the top 40 and a 41-week run in the top 100. Why is it back in 2003? The version that actually, although we just played the original version, the version that you would have been able to buy in 2003 was a remixed version of the song to promote the Underworld's Greatest Hits collection for their first 10 years. A remix that is just honestly much worse than the original. not even the best born slippy nux remix because they for the second train spotting film they did a slowed down version song gave them their only top 10 single when it got to number two in case you're wondering what beat it by the way to number one that was killing me softly by the fugees so what an incredible top two there should we just sack all this off and just do the 90s charts sounds pretty good right no unfortunately we are wedded to this format now and i've got many more anecdotes about daniel benningfield to get through so we're gonna have to keep going through 2003 but we can live in the 90s for a little bit longer by discussing born slippy Nux. Many people wondering where the name came from online. There's lots of various theories. For example, someone wrote on Reddit that some folks say you're slipping when you're on acid. So I always took born slippy as meaning that you're born tripping on LSD. It's a good fun idea for a club song. But unfortunately, the reality as usual, is much less poetic. In an interview with The Guardian, the vocalist of Underworld, Carl Hyde, said, Why Born Slippy? It was a greyhound we won money on. So yeah, this song is literally named after a slimy dog. Apparently this is a standard practice for Underworld. They also have songs called Sappy's Curry and Mile Bush Pride, which are also named after greyhounds that they'd bet money on. So yeah, never ex- never expect something to have any sort of poetic intent. You'll usually be disappointed. And talking of being disappointed... Mark Owen's definitely going to be disappointed by his chart placement here. At number 26, a new entry, Alone Without You. And I don't know why it is, it's just the way it is. What am I to say? What am I to do? What am I to love without you? What am I to say? What am I to do? in a very up and down relationship with the charts at this point he'd had eight number ones as a member of take that pray relight my fire babe everything changes they are four number ones in a row there and then sure back for good never forget and how deep is your love all getting to number one they would also go on to have three more number ones when they reformed in 2006 patience shine and greatest day all of which we'll get to talk about in the coming years and months the reason of course that they reformed is because marco in solo career less successful than his time in take that his first set of chart songs was in 96 and 97 he was actually the first 
I think this is true, the first of Take That to release a solo song. That song was called Child and got to number three in November 1996. He followed that up with Clementine, another number three in February 1997. And then when his third song, I Am What I Am, got to number 29, he was dropped from his first record label. And now history is repeating itself. Four minute warning, his song in August got to number four. And now he is dropped again, thanks to this song getting to number 26. Apparently, Mark Owen had started writing songs when Gary Barlow sold him an old piano. Mark at the time joking that... Gary Barlow had overcharged him for it. Now, he says he's joking, but that's exactly the kind of shit that Gary Barlow would do, isn't it? You could be his best friend and he'd still try and spike you by making you pay too much for an old piano. No wonder then that at this point in 2003, Mark Owen was totally ruling out ever doing a Take That reunion. Previously, we played a clip from Top of the Pops where he says he would never do it. And at the same time, he told the magazine Music OMH, my immediate reaction to a reunion would be no, probably not. Maybe one day something might happen. At this moment in time, I'd say no. But in five years time, who knows? Of course, it would actually only be two years until he would decide to go back to take that, probably because he again, had just been dropped from his record label. He does, however, manage to have one more top 40 hit, which was released independently in June 2004. That was called Make It Out, and we will talk about it next summer. After Brian Dowling was the reviewer at Smash Hits, though, they brought in Shane Ritchie, who, of course, was delighting the nation at this point by playing Alfie Moon on EastEnders. A packet of condoms, please. What time? Well, um... Well, it's, um... Pack of three or family pack of 24. He will also release a single of his own very soon, which we will talk about, I think, maybe even next week. For now, though, he is the new Smashage reviewer. He gave Mark Owens Alone Without You free Shane Ritchie heads and said, he's like Alfie Moon without the shirts, isn't he? Mark was one of the best ones in Take That. His stuff's pretty good too. Yeah, I like this. Even though his voice is always a bit weedy, he sounds like he needs feeding up. Shane Rich calling him weedy there, but he says, the worst thing that people call him at this point is cute. He says, it does seem weird when you get a bit older and you're still being described as cute, which is fair enough. But then he couldn't help himself and he delivered, I'm going to read this as a cute little piece of shade to Gary Barlow asked what he thought about being called cute he said better than being called fat which of course was a lot of the narrative around Gary at this point but obviously in the next two years his opinion of Gary Barlow changes probably I would say as his bank balance began to be depleted but we will definitely talk about how take that buried the hatchet in the coming months for now we are leaving Mark Owen at number 26 what there's one more new entry in the top 20 first here's two more songs that are returning to the chart in its seventh week down from 16 at 25 we have rachel stevens with sweet dreams my lax very sad to read Britney's autobiography and find that she did never mentioned the song Sweet Dreams My Lex being offered to her. I would have hoped there would have been at least 60 pages on that. Anyway, in its second week now at 24, down from 18, it nearly featured Ashanti, but it's featuring Tamia Into You by Fabulous. I would have traded 
did it all in orderly fashion. The villa in Florida, we crashing just off the shore. So or to read it as it's written, fabulous. Respect the way that people write their names. 23 now. Any people who hate sport, and I imagine if you if listened to anything like me, that's most of you, listen away now. Can you listen away as in look away, but with ears? Because this song is a big rugby hit. And if you're anything like me, that will bring you out in utter hives. Skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want to hear. At 23, a new entry, UB40 and the United Colours of Sound with Swing Low. This is their cover of the song Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, an African-American spiritual song and one of the best-known Christian hymns that for some reason has become an anthem of British rugby. According to Wikipedia, the song uses the theme of death to remind the audience of the glory that awaits in heaven when Christians believe they will transcend the earthly world of suffering and come to rest in their final home. So then it makes sense to me that this became a rugby song because every time I've ever had to watch any rugby, I've been like, oh God, when will someone transcend me away from the earthly world of suffering that is happening to me right now in this pub? The fact that this is a big rugby song has been questioned after the Black Lives Matter protests. It was reported a few years ago that the Rugby Football Union was conducting a review into the song being sung at rugby games, um, and this is from The Guardian, amid concerns that there was a lack of understanding as to the song's origins in slavery, with a number of black players saying that the song made them uncomfortable. There had previously been some concerns that the song had begun as a kind of with kind of racist connotations because it had previously been thought that the song was first sung when England played Ireland in 1988 to serenade a black player which obviously has problematic implications but actually it seems that it started being played as a pun which I have to respect so let me explain this so there's been archive footage unearthed that discovered that this song was first played in Twickenham in 1987 when a rugby player called Martin Offia was playing. This player, however, got soon got the nickname Chariots because people had mispronounced his name as Off Fire. So it was Chris Martin Chariots of Fire, like the film Chariots of Fire, which is about people running. So I think it's the fact that he was like very fast was the joke. And so then obviously Chariots of Fire, they started singing Sweet Low, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, which is, I would say, a seven out of 10 good joke if the song obviously wasn't a former slave hymn. But it's 2003. These conversations were very far ahead in the future, unfortunately. But it's fine because it, because at this point in 2023, of course, all racism in sport has ended and everything is perfect now. I mean, I don't watch that much sport, but I'm guessing that's a joke and I'm wrong unfortunately so that's the history of the song Swing Low Sweet Chariot and Rugby but this specific version is by UB40 and United Colours of Sound and it's being released because at this point 20 years ago England were playing in the 2003 Rugby World Cup the Rugby World Cup of course that they would go on to win thanks to Johnny Wilkinson's thighs and also, I assume, other parts of his body. But who could care about those? UB40 at this point had managed three number ones. Of course, Red Red Wine, that wedding classic, got to number one in August 1983. Their, in my opinion, awful cover of 
Sonny and Jez, I Got You Babe, which was a duet with Chrissy Hine from The Pretenders, got to number one in August 1985. Then they had their third and final number one with their cover of Elvis Presley's I Can't Help Falling In Love With You in May 1993. We've talked about the possibly racist implications of Swing Low's Sweet Chariot's use in rugby, but it has to be said that UB40 as a band were one of the first kind of racially integrated bands in the UK, so they should get some credit for that. And also United Colours of Sound, who are their duet partner here, should get some credit because that band included the icons, David and Cary Grant, everyone's favourite Fame Academy mentors. And this week they're doing better than the Fame Academy winner, David Snedden, so good on them. United Colours of Sound, by the way, apart from getting this being on this song, didn't really have much of a recording output, but they did appear on the Claire Sweeney album, which we talked about a few weeks ago as one of the albums that nearly bankrupted a record label and led to Mystique's career ending. So I won't directly blame Carrie and David Grant for that, although no smoke without fire. So that's Swing Low by UB40 and the United Colours of Sound at 23 and at 22, in its second week, down from 15, Ooh Wee by Mark Ronson. Me acid, rockin' the show, special guest star, Mark Bronson. First 500 bitches went crazy when he let they answer And all he did was plug me in, I got the charging, got they bras and ran through they whole department. And we are now heading into the top 20 with, at 21, Beyonce featuring Sean Paul with Baby Boy. And at 20, down for 13, The Darkness with I Believe in a Thing Called Love. darkness one of the big breakout bands of course of 2003 everyone was obsessed with them they played nebworth with robbie williams as the support act on what was the biggest concert at that time that had ever happened in the uk and from one breakout band we have the follow-up to a breakout single at number 19 so not doing as well as their first song but just breaking the top 20 bounce along by wayne wonder song of course was no letting go earlier this year 20 years ago it spent seven weeks in the top 40 ending up as the 49th biggest selling song of 2003 sandwiched in between crash the wedding by busted and oh three bonnie and clyde by jay-z and beyonce of course after recording oh three bonnie and clyde jay-z and beyonce got together and it's a very similar story actually behind no letting go by wayne wonder he wrote the song for someone he was seeing at the time after she complained that he kept writing songs about other women but hadn't written a song about her and as of 2022 wayne wonder and that woman are still married so that just shows the power of writing an incredible song about someone 
on. People, however, were less impressed by Bounce Along. Shane Ritchie gave it two Shane Ritchie heads and said, this is boring. It's a shame because I really liked his last single and it's no way as good as my single, I'm Your Man. Ha ha ha. We, of course, will get to talk about Shane Ritchie's I'm Your Man very soon so we don't have to dwell on that piece of shameless plugging right now. Wayne Wonder here, however, is following into a classic trap that pop stars fall into. You often find it when someone has a, a kind of, someone who's been in the game for a long time, but then suddenly has one song that do, does really well. And so they kind of panic, and then it, trying to capitalise on that fame, they release a second song that is basically sounds exactly the same as the first song but isn't quite as good. You get this in dance music particularly, that if a dance musician has one big hit, then they'll release a song that sounds basically identical to it, but then it won't do as well because they can't recapture the magic of that first one. One of my favourite examples of this, although I actually love the second version of this, is the follow-up to Eiffel 65's Blue Dabba Dee, which was a song called Move Your Body, which is basically exactly the same song. Unfortunately, though, Wayne Wonders Bounce Along, not as good as Move Your Body by Eiffel 65, even if they are both movements of the body. And so this didn't, unfortunately, launch Wayne Wonder into a long career. And so he went back to doing what he'd been doing before he released No Letting Go. We mentioned when that song was in the top 40 that his first ever single, which was released in his native Jamaica, was a cover of the Rick Astley classic Never Gonna Give You Up. And so he simply just went back to recording 80s covers in a dancehall style. The last time that audiences outside of Jamaica may have been aware of Wayne Wonder was when his cover of the Thompson Twins song Hold Me Now appeared on the soundtrack to the film Fifty First Dates. Before that, it wasn't just, by the way, Never Gonna Give You Up that he covered. He also released versions of Tracy Chapman's Fast Car, Michael Jackson's Heal the World. Why you'd want to touch that awful song, I don't know, but he did. And PM Dawn's I Die Without You. So king of the cover there, Wayne Wonder. You got a fast car. I want a ticket to get you anywhere. What's Wayne Wonder up to in 2023, you wonder? He last posted on Instagram on October 25th when he appeared to have been in London and was wishing his son a happy 17th birthday. So I'm glad that Wayne Wonder's a good dad. Also, if you go on his Instagram, you can apparently book him for events by emailing him at singsomusic at gmail.com. So if you're looking for a iconic naughty's legend for your party, that's where you should go. At 18, however, someone who had a slightly more lucrative 2000s in that they had two of the biggest selling albums of all time. Here is in her ninth week, so doing very well, down from 14, White Flag by Dido. by a woman who should have done as well as Dido but unfortunately the vaguely Christian message of this song scared everyone off it is in its second week down from 12 at 17 There's Gotta Be More To Life by Stacey Orico
16 now, and a song that's totally kind of scrambling my brain a little bit, actually. So, as I may have mentioned before, I appeared on Blue Peter when I was a child. I was about 10 or 11. That was, of course, this was the time, by the way, in which 50 Cent pushed my mum and we accidentally trapped Lamar on a lift all on the same day in BBC Television Centre. But what I had remembered of this day was that the Blue Peter Studios were next to the Top of the Pop Studios. So it means that we saw Lamar, we saw the Sugar Babes, we saw 50 Cent and we saw Black Eyed Peas. And I'd always thought in my head that the song that 50 Cent was there to promote was P.I.M.P. But that can't be right because the Sugar Babes were there to promote In the Middle, which they don't release until 2004. So exactly what 50 Cent was doing, I don't know. But he was not promoting P.I.M.P. because it is coming out in 2003 unless of course I was caught in a time loop as a child which is very possible certainly in those days before Spotify some days felt like a time loop you know what I mean yeah hopefully you do catch a date and come and pay the kid look baby this is simple you can't see you're fucking with me you're fucking with a P-I-M-P I don't know what you heard about me what a bitch can't get a dollar out of me no Cadillac no perms you can't see then I'm a motherfucking P-I-M-P I don't know what you heard about me What a bitch can't get a dollar out of me No Cadillac, no perms, you can't see At 15, now, did what I just said make sense? Maybe, that's Maybe by Emma Bunton can't have it, cause he's got pass for the day And if I want it, there's no one out there for me When you don't need it, there's many fish in the sea Maybe it's nothing, maybe it's all just in Emma at this point in her third week on the chart down from 10. Yes, just known mononymically as Emma at this point. She, it was just this album in which she decided to do that. So the songs Free Me, Maybe, I'll Be There and Cricket Sing for Anna Maria all under Emma. And then she decides to go back to Emma Bunton when her third album Life in Mono comes out in 2006. This was kind of a typical thing for the Spice Girls. They just decided that they wanted random names. Who can forget that Mel B's first song came out as Melanie B. Her second song came out as Melanie G. And then by the time of her third song, her marriage had dissolved so she went back to Melanie B. And then in 2005, for some reason, she went to Melanie Brown, her full name. And then as for Jerry Halliwell, she was Jerry Halliwell for all of her songs, except Ride It, where she was called Jerry. And then for her second single from that album, she went back to Jerry Halliwell. So the Spice Girls, a real up and down in the naming stakes there, makes it a nightmare to tag them on your iTunes. But for number 14, we've got someone who's picked their real name. And if you had this name, why wouldn't you? In its second week, down from eight, Eminem's support not really helping that much because Obi Trice is out of the top 10 in his second week with his song, Got Some Tea. To the side and invited to cheers. Pull up a chair, nigga swear, no drama Prepare for a player who working with a monster I ain't got time to waste Let's vacate the place, shed blinds and drapes Grind to your face in the grimy state Concentrate, you will find that you're bound to gain What we found was fake We can watch two incredible mates Masturbate, why settle away? Let's escalate to the nearest Super 8 Until your rivers on the mirrors And it's mirroring booty cheeks Come on! This is my favorite song I sing along you could say that at this point Got Some Teeth was So Yesterday and what a coincidence because that is the song that's also at the top 10 in its second week down from 9 at 13 by Hilary Duff
us very quickly into the top 10. Still to come, songs from Pink, Holly Valance, Atomic Kitten, and a brand new flop boy band. Always very exciting. But first, let's head into the top 10. At 12, down from 7, in its 7th week, Jamelia with Superstar. And at 11, another new entry, Angel City, featuring Lara McCallan with Love Me Right, brackets, Oh Sheila. I looked up Love Me Right Oh Sheila on YouTube because it's not available on Spotify and it has one of the angriest video descriptions that I've ever seen. It reads, Angel City, Love Me Right, brackets Oh Sheila. It's called Oh Sheila because the lyrics are from a song called Ready for the World, Oh Sheila. So stop complaining about the fact that she sings sugar. So then you wanted yourself, oh, are the comments full of people complaining that it's funny that she said the song's called Oh Sheila when she says Oh Sugar? No, I could find exactly one comment that even mentions that. So this person, frankly, needs to calm down a little bit. Honestly, this is why the internet discourse is fucked, because some people just like being angry. There we go, life lessons about 2023 in this 2003 podcast. But they are right. The reason that the brackets are Oh Sheila is because the sample for this song is from a song called Oh Sheila by an American R&B band called Ready for the World. And they were certainly, I don't know about Ready for the World, but they were certainly ready for the US charts, because that song went to number one on the Billboard Hot 100, although it only scraped in at number 50 in the UK. So for their version, Angel City and Lara McCallan have kept the original verses of that song, but changed the chorus from Oh Sheila to Oh Sugar, making them sound like your nan who doesn't like to swear when she drops something and says, Oh Sugar, rather than what she actually wants to say is Oh Shitbags. Of course, I come from a family in which we would just say that. Might not surprise you. Anyway, back to Angel City. They are a Dutch DJ duo consisting of Hugo Ventveld, otherwise known as DJ Renegade, and Aldwin Uman, who were behind a number of dance music projects. With Angel City, they they managed four UK top 20s. The peak being Do You Know I Go Crazy in October 2004. But it's only on this one in which Lara McCallan is credited as the singer. Fun fact about her, she was a backup dancer for Shakira. Which means that why I haven't spoken to her hips, I imagine that let's just say <laughs> they probably tell you the truth. She has a slightly odd personal life section on her Wikipedia, which by the way, everyone knows the only reason for the personal life section is to find out whether someone's gay or not. So why you're putting in other facts, I'm not sure. But it says, McCallan is married to an IT business owner and they have two children. They celebrated with a Christian wedding ceremony in Italy with only close family and friends present. Do they own property development and management businesses? It's very weird to have to really mention there that they the Christian ceremony. It wasn't like there was a rumour going around that Lara McCallan had had a pagan ceremony where she danced over the blood of a she-goat. Although I guess I am starting that rumour now. So why Lara McCallan dances over the blood of a she-goat, something that definitely happened. We will move on to the band that have just kept Angel City out of the top 10. And very exciting, flop boy band alert. This is 
Hold On Me by Fix. When you bleed into my mind Send my heart's defenses down And I know The temptation's just too strong Can't let go Cause I'm weak To the taste of your seduction Yeah, 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 yeah You really gotta hold on me In case you can tell for my pronunciation there, that's fix the PH and two X's. So very cool. Exactly the kind of lame 80s name that you would associate with that lame 80s sound. Shane Ritchie, however, loved it. Gave it four Shane Ritchie heads saying, it sounds really 80s and I like that sort of sound. It'll should do all right too. That's what he wrote. I don't know whether that's bad copy or whether Shane Ritchie actually speaks like a Cockney Barrow boy. It'll should do all right, governor. <laughs> anyway, if the charts are ready for this kind of stuff, they're good looking boys too. Where Smash It says, oh, those boys seem to have forgotten their clothes, but we won't complain. And the song's a real grower. That's funny because they've said they forgot their clothes and then they made reference to their penises. Very funny in a magazine entirely aimed at teenagers. Yes, they say they've forgotten their clothes because this has a very steamy video which takes the name of the song Hold On Me quite literally. It's a series of vignettes in which women literally have a hold over the men in this band. They're all in the building, which I'm pretty sure is also the prison in the Die Another Day by Madonna video. One of them is tied to a chair. One of them's tied to the ceiling. One of them's strapped to an operating table. And funniest of all, one of them is just in the boot of a car with this kind of head just poking out, looking a bit sad. They start, they really ran out of chains for that one. They're just like, oh, just go in the car boot. It'll be fine. We'll talk about the guy in the boot in a minute, by the way, because he is the crucial member to this band. But let's introduce Fix first. So they are the Another band who got their start on the ITV talent show Popstars The Rivals, which now means that every single finalist from Popstars The Rivals has had a UK Top 40 hit, which is completely, who could believe that? That's just a crazy insight into how big those early singing talent shows were in 2003. Of course, Girls Aloud and One True Voice were the two bands that won Popstars The Rivals, which started basically, if you can't remember or if you weren't alive, which is frankly offensive of you. So there were 10 finalists in Popstars Arrivals, and each week one of them would be eliminated until you were left with five girls and five boys, which would be rival girl and boy bands. One of those was Girls Aloud, went on to have one of the most exciting singles runs that any British band has ever had. The other one was One True Voice, which flailed out after two singles, and after Top of the Pops threw some serious shade at them. Check our Instagram for that video. But just because One True Voice and Girls Aloud won Popstars Arrivals doesn't mean that the other members didn't try and launch pop careers. Javine, who was got to the final six, and so just missed out on a spot in Girls Aloud, released a series of solo singles, of which we've heard one so far, Real Things, and we will hear another one in a few weeks. And then the remaining girls... Chloe, Amy, I want to say Emma and Lauren. I didn't check any of those, so if they're right, that's a disturbing thing that I know. They all became the band Clear, who released a song called Download It a few weeks ago. And now the five boys who didn't get into One True Voice are having a go at being pop stars with this band Fix. Smash Hits, of course, had a section in which they introduced each band with a little set of factoids. So there's first there's Andy who apparently is the greatest dancer. If they have girls out with us, they always want to dance with Andy. Then there's Mikey. He's the blonde one. Smash It says he's the best looking one in the band and described by one of the other members of the band as the most interesting person he's ever met. Chris apparently is the hairiest man in Fix. Has a chest like a rug, apparently. And he loves his dog so much that he has a photo of her on his phone. Then there's Nick. That's Nick, spelled N-I-K-K, of course because you're not a boy band in the 2000s, unless somebody spells their name weird. Chris is described here as dizzy. If everyone was like Nick, the world would be an amazing place full of chocolate and nice things. Quite why the world would be full of chocolate if everyone was Nick. It's not like he's a chocolatier. Doesn't really make sense. Anyway, and then we have Peter, the guy who's locked in a 
car in the video. A video, by the way, that's like if somebody watched Adam Ricketts' video for I Breathe Again and thought, hmm, more gay? Question mark? Anyway, locked in the car is Peter. He apparently reminds them of Batman because he wears leather pants and he's the daddy of the band. He looks after us. Only has a bit of a temper on him. One thing to note about Peter is that he looks a good 15 years older than every other member of the band. Nick, Andy, Mikey and Chris make sense as a band. Peter looks like their dad and or manager. In the picture of Smash Hits, they're all wearing leather and he's wearing basically a three-piece suit. So they've actively gone out of their way to make Peter look like he's not part of the band. And so is it any wonder that Pete would become the first person to leave Fix, which he would do in summer 2004. Before then, though, Fix would release their album named Electrophonic Revolution, a terrible name, but really included a who's who of boy band songwriters. They worked with Lee Ryan from Blue, Brian McFadden, who at that point had just left Westlife, Alistair Griffin, the Fame Academy contestant, and someone who's listed on their Wikipedia page as Theo from Liberty X, who I've looked and is not a member of Liberty X. There's Tony, I think they might mean, although I think what happened is some guy called Theo came to them with some songs and they were like why should I listen to you and he was like um I'm in uh, Liberty X and they just believed him as for other hits in December 2004 the band would release a Christmas song which they recorded with Matt Baker a song that appeared on the as a free download on the Blue Peter website in 2004 hopefully it still exists on the internet and I'll be able to play it right now so if you've just heard it there or you haven't I don't know I'll keep looking for the Fix Christmas single of it Anyway, but that Blue Peter collaboration does kind of highlight why Fix never really made it as a boy band. Because that was their first song after their cover of Duran Duran's song Wild Boys. And you can't do both things. You can't appeal to Blue Peter loving kids and be homoerotic bad boys. I mean, there's some ex-viewers of Blue Peter who would appreciate that. Not naming any names myself, but not a good strategy. You have to define whether your band's going to be bad boys or good boys. You know, it's like Britney Spears said. Ones that are homoerotic bad boys or the ones that are Blue Peter Christmas people. So is it any wonder that Fix's chart run would fizzle out after four singles, of which this was their only top ten, and even then barely getting into the top ten. But hey, we love a flop boy band here, so we're very excited to see what the future holds for Fix. Or should it pronounce Fix? Do they sound different to you? Don't know. So Fix at number ten means that fighting out still that top 10 are Pink, Atomic Kitten, Holly Valance, and of course last week's number one, Fat Man Scoop. One of those is at number eight this week, but first, at number nine, down from six in its second week, Jump In by Liberty X. Jumping is a kind of sister of our number eight, I would say. They are both attempts at artists who had kind of one sound that was a little softer, trying to do something kind of harder and like more intense. One of which would lead the band to release a few more songs, whereas the other one would be the last song this person ever released. At number eight, the end of the line for Holly Valance with State of Mind.
one of the reasons why Holly Valance may be trying a new sound may be explained in this little tidbit from Smash Hits at the time, which reads, Holly Valance has admitted to turning off the radio whenever she hears Kiss Kiss. It was in the charts for months and it annoys me a bit now, she told a German magazine. Very bad idea to slack off your own music, by the way. Perhaps we were getting a picture of why her career didn't go on for much longer. Another reason why it may not have gone for much longer may be due to her legal battles. This is also from Smash Hits 20 years ago. Apparently she had to pay £145,000 to her ex-manager after a judge ruled she owed the money after unfairly sacking him 15 months before the end of his contract. There's no evidence that this is linked to anything, but it is a fact that in 2004, Holly Valance would be dropped from her record label, and at which point she would say she is no longer interested in recording music. A story in the Mirror in March 2004 said that her record deal was hanging by a thread, with insiders saying it was unlikely that it will be reviewed when her contract expires later this year. At that point, she had apparently left Britain and was doing an intensive series of acting classes to try and reignite her film and TV acting career. However, it probably didn't help her chances of a British music career when she said in an interview that British people are, quote, bitter and twisted and that she prefers living in Australia. And to her credit, she did get some acting roles after that. In fact, she has a completely berserk acting CV after that. So in 2004, she appeared in episodes of CSI Miami and Entourage. Then she went deeper into the CSI world by appearing in an episode of CSI New York in 2005. Then in 2006, she had a regular role on the TV show Prison Break. She starred alongside Paris Hilton in a comedy called Pledge This. She appeared in an adaptation of the fighting video game Dead or Alive. And then in 2008, she was in Taken with Liam Neeson. So quite a fascinating acting career. Of course, she got her start in Australia on the soap Neighbours, making her the second former Neighbours stars on this week's chart after Delta Goodrum. She also in 2005 released one last series of songs with the two- forgotten 2000s rapper Harmar Superstar, one of which has got the excellent name Back the Camel Up. I'm worried that's going to be slightly racist, but let's give it a listen. Camel got two humps, one for the ride. Chomp, chomp, spit. But of course, she has now moved on from music and acting, and she's the professional wife of property developer and massive Tory, Nick Candy. Last time she really made news with him was in April 2022, when she was photographed alongside him, meeting Donald Trump and Nigel Farage, aka Bitter and Twisted. Yeah, so a lot of people, obviously, Holly Valance had a, quite a gay fan base because State of Mind's one of the gayest songs ever written. And so a lot of people were quite disappointed by her when they saw that photo. You know, you really could say that she'd been a naughty girl, a real bad so-and-so. It's a niche Holly Valance joke for you there. And so we will leave it to, I assume, a gay person to sum up the reaction to her having dinner with Trump and Farage. This is theatre director Peter Holland writing on Twitter. I'm going to use Holly Valance's 2003 State of Mind album to express my thoughts on this photo. He then points out track 12, double take. Track 5, curious. Track 3, everything I hate. And track 9, over and out. Very well done. Welcome to the pop maniac fold, Peter Holland, because knowing the album track listing of State of Mind makes you very much one of our people. Another person that we're going to celebrate in this section is whoever wrote the synopsis for the music video of State of Mind on the State of Mind Wikipedia page. They write, Holly enters the building where beautiful women and sugar daddy types are enjoying each other's company and begin to writhe and pose on a bed while being recorded by a video camera. The video ends with Halance looking at the video camera flirtatiously while unzipping her dress, alluding to porn about to be made as the screen fades to black. Who doesn't love to allude to porn about to be made with sugar daddy types? 
such a way with words there. In fact, as One True Voice would say it, they really do have Shakespeare's way with words. None of this, however, was enough to amuse Shane Ritchie. He says of Holly Valance, beautiful girl, beautiful tune. Oh no, forget that last bit. Her new look is all right, but as for the tune, it's all a bit 80s. That'd be the same 80s that he complimented when he was talking about fix, but can we expect consistency from Alfie Moon? Maybe it's like a Jekyll and Hyde situation. The good reviews were done by Shane Ritchie and the bad reviews were done by Alfie Moon. Also, not a fan of Holly Valance is Simon Amstel. He named her an enemy, one of the 10 most boring interviews he ever did and he used the immortal words to describe her everyone says she's the new Kylie but she's barely the new Danny it's a little rude to Danny Minogue who had some great pop bangers I guess it's actually kind of exactly right because she probably has about four great pop bangers which is exactly the same amount that Holly Valance does one last thing to say about Holly Valance though I love this this is from an advert in Smash Hits this week 20 years ago it's just an advert for her website and I love as you know if anyone's been on our Instagram for a long time looking at what artists websites look like in 2003 because now they're pretty you know it's just like links to their Twitter tour dates, merch. Whereas Hollyvalance.com in 2003 had photos, downloads, news, screensavers, wallpaper, Holly's diary, exclusive competitions, ringtones, logos, and much more. Yes, right, that's right. They're advertising the fact that they have logos. Ah, oh, what a beautiful time it was, 2003. Another reason why it's an excellent time is because it saw the release of At Seven, a new release. Trouble by Pink, which means that of the new entries, it's only Atomic Kitten left to fight Fat Man Scoop. She loved Trouble by Pink, giving her four and a half Shane Ritchie heads. He said, it's brilliant already. She's not done one Duff song, and this ain't a Duff one either. She's got the right attitude, that girl. And Smash It says, feisty fun and blooming fantastic to boot. This girl's got it all, including another hit. Yeah, that's true. I guess I hadn't thought about this point that actually Pink hadn't released a bad song at this point. She's released so many bad songs since that we kind of forget that. But she really did have a good chart run. She did, however, miss out on a major pop culture moment in 2003 in smash it she said that originally the britney madonna christina kiss at the mtv movie awards was supposed to be her and gwen stefani her britney and gwen stefani but then she says gwen and i backed out and they got christina instead obviously we have no reason to doubt her and the idea of pink and gwen stefani doing that would have been kind of amazing but it's so perfect getting the rivals britney and christina to duet with madonna kind of showing that she is such a power in pop that she can unite those two it's such a perfect bit of casting that i do find it slightly difficult to believe that it was originally supposed to be pink and gwen stefani but it's not like pink needed the exposure in 2003 this was she was really at her peak She'd had top 10 singles with There You Go, Most Girls, You Make Me Sick, Lady Marmalade, Get The Party Started, Don't Let Me Get Me, Just Like A Pill, and Feel Good Time. And her lowest chart placement so far had been 11 for Family Portrait in December 2002. So consistent chart hitter. Let's just, not to peek ahead, but let's just say that chart status is about to be tested by this new album. Fans weren't as keen on the other songs from this album as this one, but Trouble mostly got good reviews. Enemy called it three minutes of desperately catchy mainstream punk that tries very hard to be feisty and rather excellently succeeds. They also add connoisseurs of Pink's slightly mad career decisions should note too that the sleeve shows our heroine looking angry while being tied to a large roll of carpet, which 
does seem to be true. Asked by Smash Hits why the song was called Trouble, she said she was a troublesome kid. I was so bad my mum kicked me out of home. She regrets it now, but if I was her, I'd have done it about 10 years before. I would run away every other weekend if something didn't go my way. Just being away from school was fine with me. Most of the time I would go down the street to friends' houses or sleep under trucks. She got arrested a few times as well, she admits, saying, I always thought I was in the right, I wanted to experience everything and I hated rules so I would break them on purpose. I was just evil. I didn't like being in court though. When you're 12, jump scare, and you're really scared of the judge and you have to wear a dress, that really sucks. Yes, I would say that would suck being in court at the age of 12. Also, her parents, big fans of Tough Love, in this this very dramatic interview for Smash Hits, actually. They're usually more about the soft sell. We'll, in a few weeks, talk about an interview that they do with Busted that's just about washing up. But in this one, Pink admits when they're... Smash Hits asked them, did they wash, Did your parents wash your mouth up with soap when you swore? She said, yes, but it didn't work. And this is even worse. My mum caught me with a pack of cigarettes when I was in the seventh grade. She made me smoke the whole pack in front of her, thinking that that would make me sick, so I'd quit. I did feel sick, but her plan didn't work. To say, Pink as a teenager sounds terrifying. In fact, actually, I would say she sounds like trouble. None of this, however, stopped her from becoming an international pop icon. She won a Grammy for this song for Best Female rock vocal performance in 2004 and then this song would be given the ultimate chart accolade as it would be covered in 2005 by Shakin Stevens the 80s megastar who for some reason I have absolutely no idea why he would want to cover this song but he did you to take me but I knew all along you can take me But not even a Shaken Stevens cover could stop her at this point. Although the wheels were starting to come off Pink's success a little bit because this album did not do as well as her previous ones had in America. Slightly off topic, but when I went to search for that information of how well she'd done the charts, I began to search Pink discography, which my computer auto-completed to Pink Discharge. All I'm going to say about that is don't Google that. Don't make my the same mistake I did. But yeah, this was a real flop era for her in the US. The song Feel Good Time, which got to number three earlier in 2003, got to number 60 in the US Billboard Hot 100 charts. And this song got to number 68. And so she would not release another single from this album in the US, even though she would release two more singles from it in the UK. And in fact, she would not release another single in the US until 2006. But in the UK, in the UK, she has remained much more successful. She would go on to have one more number one single with So what? A song that I never want to hear again. She was still having top 10 hits right the way into 2021. And in fact, even in 2023, she managed to get to number 14 with her song Trustful. It's good to see that she can take enough of a break from between instances of being flung through the sky to make some new music. Good for Pink. But she's out of the race to number one this week with only Atomic Kitten left standing. And I can reveal that Atomic Kitten have made it into the top five because at six, we have the Sugar Babes with Hole in the Head. number one now at number six in its third week on the chart and at number five in its second week down from number two guilty by blue
leads us with last week's number one, Fat Man Scoop. Another former number one, Where's the Love by the Black Eyed Peas. Turn Me On by Kevin Little, last week's number three. And a new entry from Atomic Kitten with If You Come To Me. Well, Atomic Kitten have made it into the top three because at number four, staggeringly in its 11th week on the chart, still in the top five, Where's the Love? Black Eyed Peas. Let your soul gravitate to the love, y'all, y'all. What you preach and what you turn the other cheek. Father, 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 help us and some guidance from above. These people got me, got me questioning. Where is the love? Where is the love? Where is the love? No surprise that gets named the biggest selling single of 2003. Whereas this week's number three did not even make the top 50 biggest selling singles of the year. In fact, it was the 94th biggest selling single of 2003. In between Something Beautiful by Robbie Williams and Say It Isn't So by Gareth Gates. What is the song? It is a new entry, Atomic Kitten, with If You Come To Me. Maybe we can work it out, cause this is how I not a fan of Atomic Kitten. He did give them three Alfie Moon heads, but said, I'm not a big fan of theirs, but they generally knock out good tunes, but this isn't one of them. My 11-year-old son will buy it for his girlfriend. Whereas Smash It said, Now, now, Shane, you wouldn't catch Alfie being so mean. Granted, it isn't their best ever tune, but it's still a pretty little ditty. It is, I would say, though, a fairly boring song of a girl band who, if they do have one flaw, it's that they could be a little boring sometimes. Which is kind of strange because they were going through some pretty juicy romantic drama because at this point, Liz from Atomic Kitten was dating Lee from Blue, the man last week called by Top of the Pops the maddest man in pop music. Top of the Pops magazine called his relationship with Liz from Top of the Kitten on off. One of those off times around this time he did, according to Top of the Pops magazine, grope Tara Palmer Tompkinson's buns, which is interesting because last week they were speculating whether Duncan from Blue was dating Tara Palmer Tompkinson. But still, we don't know that much about what happened between the two of them other than it ended very badly. Even many years later, Liz from Top of the Kitten was saying that dating Lee had made her never want to date another celebrity she said I'd never date another celebrity again I was engaged to Lee and I didn't I didn't like having our relationship in the spotlight for me at least paranoia you read things about each other and wonder who said what dating a celebrity makes your relationship too public and I like to keep my private life private this led to awkwardness between them when they both appeared on the big reunion in 2013 that show where they got bands from the 2000s and got them to reunite apparently Liz was very angry that Lee and Blue joined the show Lee (laughs) famously a gobshite, told New Magazine at the time she wasn't best pleased. I sent her a message and said, why are you acting all weird just because the cameras are there? And she sent me a message saying, don't talk to me. She was really very uncomfortable with it. He said at the same time, I broke up with her. It just wasn't right anymore. However, Liz got the last laugh in the tabloids when Lee from Blue was appearing on Celebrity Big Brother. She tweeted, definitely not pointed at anyone at all. Ever look at your ex and wonder, was I drunk the entire relationship? But yeah, it just seemed that in general, Liz from Tom Kitten was hot property in 2003 because also Smash Hits wrote that she was offered £500,000 for a date with a rich businessman. <laughs> I would say that's the kind of money that would make you whole again. I don't know what that means. And don't worry about Liz from Atomic Kitten 
because she would then apparently in 2003 go on to snog Kian from Westlife. So always a pleasure when British pop music gets a little bit incestuous, although of course Kian is Irish, but still a big part of British pop. And in fact, we have new Westlife coming very soon lucky lucky us but until then there is nothing that has been able to stop fat man scoop and crooklyn clan getting a second week at number one but first here's our number two this week climbing up from number three so don't count out them getting another num- a number one single but for now at number two kevin little turn me on selling 51,400 units, making it the lowest selling week we've had on the chart since late August. So probably not a good sign that he will get a third week, especially when there are some big hitters coming very soon from Blazing Squad, Kylie Minogue, very excited to finally get to talk about her, Robbie Williams and Goldfrap. So big week next week, including another, I know I maybe say this every week, but another one of the greatest songs of 2003 coming out next week. So look forward to that. Funnily enough, we mentioned earlier in the show that Born Slippy Nux was kept off the top spot by Killing Me Softly. And Fat Man Scoop actually appears in the video for that song. At the point, he was a record promoter and so appears in a cameo in numerous hip-hop videos of the time. He then was overnight on a hot New York radio station, leading him to doing voiceover work promoting albums by Coolio, LL Cool J and Notorious B.I.G. In 1996, he teamed up with two other Brooklyn-born DJs who called themselves the Crooklyn Clan and they released this song called Be Faithful. Became a nightclub favourite in a longer version before being edited down here to about three minutes of mostly him screaming about women with different kind of hair but it was enough to get him the 962nd uk number one will we get the 963rd next week you have to tune in to find out but until then thank you again for listening recommend us to all pop maniacs out there leave positive reviews because it makes it much easier for people to find us and enjoy all the best that the 2003s have to offer follow us at twitter at 2000 chart show on instagram at the 2000 chart show email us at the the 2000 chart show at gmail.com and for now enjoy the cardiac arrest inducing screaming of fat man scoop with be faithful goodbye for another week all the good looking women sing along i can't hear y'all oh, uh-huh.